Let's do something real quick here. Lift up your hands, saints. Lift up your hands. Heavenly Father, we come to you in your house. In your presence, in the mighty, sovereign, victorious, triumphant, grace-filled, powerful name of the only way, Jesus Christ. Lord, we're asking you for the city of Sacramento. Last night, our blessed city, the city of the Holy Sacrament. Our peace stood broken via the conduit once again of a spirit of violence that took away six lives, injuring many more in the downtown region of our blessed city. Lord, we don't want to make national news because of the violence in our city. We want this city to be known as the city where we renew our covenant with you. A holy sacrament, sacramento. Lord, I pray for peace. I pray for you to heal the lives impacted by yesterday's violence. I pray that you bring an end to this. Oh, let the spirit of shalom permeate, inundate every street, every corner, oh God. Lord, save sacramento. Save Sacramento. Deliver Sacramento. Heal Sacramento. I ask you to fill the city, not just with politicians, more importantly, fill the city with the glory of the risen Christ, oh Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before you're seated, saints, I am so super glad you're here. I'm pumped and psyched about Holy Week coming up next week. The title of today, this is the last portion of Terrific Tension, and I've enjoyed hearing from heaven regarding this series. Hopefully you've received what God has been giving the past few weeks. But today's sermon title, Let's Get This Party Started. So we're going to celebrate a little bit here today. Your neighbor probably is that sort of stoic, non-party person. And you can tell by their demeanor I want you to tell that neighbor, let's get this party started. Y'all wouldn't, we, these are my characters, you may be seated. It's, you heard Pastor Elijah so beautifully lay out Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son. So let me introduce you to characters for today's story. First of all, help me welcome the father. Come on, Pastor Jeff Carter, who will be the father today. Full disclosure, if you were to bet on which one of these three individuals was more inclined to party. Well, <laughs> Pastor Jeff, party animal indeed. Oh, boy. Oh, we got to go. And then we have the older son, Pastor Elijah Lewis. Come on, give it up for Pastor Elijah, the older son. We have the younger son. Give it up for Pastor Nathan. What a story. This is the tension between a father and two sons that Jesus lays out. The classic parable. Luke 15 is arguably one of the five most important chapters in all of scripture. According to some that evaluate the net worth of a chapter as it pertains to offering a plan of salvation. Giving us clarity regarding our relationship with our heavenly father. Because it's the chapter of the lost things. 
So the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son. But this story is so dynamic. It's his relationship with him, his relationship with him, what takes place in this beautiful outline of the family. I love this. He heard the story. He read it. This guy comes up, the younger one. Oh, the younger one. If you're the youngest in your family, out of your siblings, raise your hand. Thank you for all the therapy. I'm the youngest in my, all right, we'll put that as this. True story. There it is. But what do they always say the youngest are spoiled? Like not, I mean, if you're the first child, raise your hand. You were the experiment. Do you understand that? Your parents had no idea what to do. You came along. By the last kid, they got it together. You follow what I'm saying? That first child is the one still going through anointed therapy sessions. And the last one gets spoiled. And they say because the parents got better, right? No. It's because by the third kid, the fourth kid, the second kid, the parents just don't care. All right, so, <laughs> well, can I say something that'll get us all in trouble? Do you mind? I don't mean to do this. I promise you it's not my intention. It's not even in the script. I didn't even do it in the first two services. I just want to give you an advice as we talk about parenting. Don't let Disney parent your kids. <laughs> don't let Google parent your kids. Don't let the government parent your kids. You are the number one person responsible for your children growing up with the values that they need to hold on in order for them to see the fullness of what God has for them. Are you with me right now? We need Christian parents to be Christian parents and rise up and educate their children with the values that the Word of God gives us. Let it go. Let it go. Yeah, let it go, all right. So, so th this guy comes up and says, this is right here, says, I want my, go ahead, do it. I want my stuff. <laughs> Where are you, from Modesto? <sighs> what just happened? I want my stuff. <sighs> all right, you, you get, no, I need some, some Auburn version of that. I would like my inheritance, please. Thank you, thank you. That's what I mean. I like my inheritance, please. So he asks for his inheritance, the promise. He goes up to dad and says, dad, I want my inheritance. By the way, typically, typically, you get your inheritance, the kids get their inheritance when the parents, all the sophisticated people, pass away. Everybody else, die. <laughs> I love that. A tale of two cities. You got to love this. So, so he says, you're still alive, you're not dead, but I want my stuff. I want my inheritance. He gives it to him. The young one, he gives it to him. He demanded the promise, he demanded the blessing, the inheritance, he received it, and the outcome was what? Disastrous. Why? He wasn't prepared for the promise. He wanted the promise, but what he truly needed was preparation. You must be prepared for what you're asking for. This young brother wasn't ready. This is the tension between preparation and the promise. How many stories have we heard of lottery winners? 
sports figures, artists who acquire large sums of money and fall into the trap of addiction, vice, perversion, and self-destruction. Why? Just like the prodigal son, they received what they wanted instead of what they needed. He wanted the blessing, but he lacked self-control. He wanted the promise, but he lacked self-discipline. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, a dream without a plan is an illusion. Destiny without discipline is a recipe for disaster. Do not ask for something you're not ready for. Premature access to resources will do more harm than good. Are you getting this? I'm being real. Simply stated, he wasn't ready. He wasn't ready for what he was asking for. And, and some of you are even in the church environment. God, give me this, give me this, give me this. God, why are you waiting? And God says, you're not ready to manage, to handle, to carry what you're asking for. Mark 2.22, no one puts new wine into old, for the wine would burst the wineskins. You may have the right anointing, but if you have the wrong attitude, your assignment will burst. I'll repeat that. You may have the right anointing, but if you have the wrong attitude, your assignment will burst. You may have the gift, but the gift without the grace of God will result in humiliation and disaster. So here's the first lesson from the story. Get ready. Be ready. Stay ready. Look at your neighbor nicely and tell him, get ready. Be ready. Stay ready. 1 Peter 1.13, therefore preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What does this mean? Your character has to be ready for the calling. Your integrity has to be ready for the influence. Your mind has to be ready for the idea. Your testimony has to be ready for the title. I want to speak to all the people that took advantage of the past two years. The past two COVID years, coronavirus years, pandemic years, cuckoo for Cocoa Puff years. These past two years, there are two types of people in this auditorium and streaming. They're the kind of people that took the last two years to binge on Netflix. And then there are the kind of people that said, wait a minute, I'm going to get ready. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take advantage of these, this season to let God do what he has to do in my life because I know what's coming my way will shift my destiny forevermore. So to everyone here who got ready, if for everyone here who spent the past two years in a season of alignment and preparation, if you believe the past two years for you were a time where God lined up your character to match your calling, your integrity to match your influence, your mind to handle the ideas, oh, I got this. For all of these people who took advantage of the past two years where you actually pray, God, get rid of whatever you have to get rid of. Did anybody make that crazy prayer in the past two years? Did anyone in the past two years say, God, do what you got to do? Because when this thing is over, as for me and my house, we're going to occupy more promises than ever before. If that's you, put a smile on your face and a shout on your lip. How many are ready? You may have not been ready seven years ago, but you're ready now. Is there anybody here who can bear witness? I wasn't ready ten years ago, but I'm ready now. I wasn't ready seven years ago, but I'm ready now.
I wasn't ready five years ago, but I'm ready now. I wasn't ready three years ago, but I'm ready now. How many can even say, I wasn't ready two years ago, but I'm ready now. Is there anyone here ready to occupy all of God's promises? All the ready people, lift up your hands. How many are even grateful for what you went through? How many are grateful for what you went through because what you went through got you ready for everything? Anybody here got ready? How many here can even bear witness that everything the devil sent your way, God turned it around to develop you and to get you ready for what's coming next? If you believe you're about to see the glory of God in you, with you, for you, and through you like never before, praise like you're ready. Come on, Sacramento, shout like you're ready. Worship like you're ready. Lift up your hands like you're ready. Are you ready to occupy God's promises? The hell I went through got me ready for the glory that's coming my way. We know that God calls us everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. It is that tension between preparation and promise. Number two, it is the tension between your promise and the Father's presence. So many would argue that his failure was he asked for his inheritance ahead of time. So what if I tell you that that's not necessarily the case. I'll prove it. When he asked for the inheritance, the father not only gave him his inheritance. The Bible says, them. Oh, you missed it. They both ended up with the promise. This guy didn't end up like this guy. This guy took the promise. You know what he did? A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings. And he moved to Oregon. <laughs> Telling you, Portland will mess you up. <laughs> he wasted all his money, I'm just reading it, in wild living. went far away so far away you remember that they never let me sing here <laughs> thank you I'm here all week the, it wasn't that he got the inheritance it, it he left his father's presence he ran with the promise but he left the presence behind this is when we fail when we think we could run with the blessing without the blesser. When we have the gift, but we ignore the grace. There are people, I want to occupy the promised land without having a relationship with the promise keeper. So he literally took the inheritance, the money. Go ahead, wild living. You high-five the prodigal son? <laughs> Who does that? 
he just, there he goes. He just left. Where's he going? Look at that. Who's this mama? This, I'm preaching now. He, he, he left the covering. He literally left his accountability structure. The psalmist said this. The psalmist said, one thing I've asked of the Lord. This is what I seek most. It's to live in the presence of the Lord, the house of the Lord, all the days of my life. The younger son became a prodigal, not when he asked for the promise ahead of schedule, but when he left his father's presence. This is what happens when you get away from your heavenly father's presence. This is what happens. Nothing is more important than the presence of our heavenly father. Let me repeat that. Nothing is more important than the presence of our heavenly father. The promises of God and the presence of God are inseparable. You need to understand that. Please, please forgive me, but I have to tell you this. Just like the prodigal son, there are people that want heaven without holiness. Forgiveness without faith. They want joy without the Holy Spirit. And they want peace without the presence of the one who said, peace, be still. You can't separate the promise from the presence. I said you can't separate the promise from the presence. You can't separate the gift from the grace, the blessing from the blesser. So many people want breakthrough without letting God break the old version of you. Let us hold firmly to the hope we profess because we can trust God to keep his promises, Hebrews 10.23. The moment you take the gift away from the glory, the asset becomes a liability. The blessing becomes a burden. And the promise becomes a problem. But here's the remedy. Your capacity to manage the promises of God is directly proportional to the amount of time you spend in the presence of God. Can you get that? The more time you spend in God's presence, the more successful you will be in managing his promises. Don't get away from the presence of God. The presence of God changes everything. He wanted the promise without the presence of the Father. You missed it. The Father is your promise. I'm going to get in trouble now, even online. I'm going to get some hate mail. I'm going to do it. Stop praying for cars. Stop praying for jewelry. Stop praying for houses. Pray to be in the Father's presence oh let me say it again pray to be in the father's presence all the days of your life there is nothing like the presence of our heavenly father pastor sam are you saying god doesn't provide any of that of course he does but that follows you It's his presence. How many know the presence of God changes everything? How many truly know that God's presence changes everything? How many know there's nothing like the presence of our Heavenly Father? <sighs> I know, I know, I know, I know some of you are saying, but Pastor Sam, all of God's 
Say it, say it, say it. All of God's promises are. We even sing it, ready? All of God's promises are. That's not what the Bible says. It doesn't. But we sing it. The Bible doesn't say all of God's promises are yes and amen. If we put a period there, that's biblically incorrect. The Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 19 and 20, does not say all of God's promises are yes and amen. It said all of God's promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. You missed it. In him. I said in him. I said in him. Not in your ability, but in him. Not in your contacts, but in him. Not in your bank account, but in him. Not in your job, but in him. Not in your relationship, but in him. Not in your potential, but in him. In, in Jesus, there is fullness of joy. In Jesus, you are blessed and highly favored. In Jesus, your family will be saved. In Jesus, the latter glory will be greater than the former glory. In him. In him you have abundant life. In him you have new life. In him your wounds are healed. In him your sins are forgiven. In him your past cannot stop you. In him you're anointed and appointed. In him you are multi-generationally blessed. In him the new you is alive and the old you is dead. In him you are called and chosen. In him the gates of hell will not prevail against you. In him you are the head and not the tail. In him... In him you go from glory to glory. And in him we live. I said in him we live. In him we move. In him we have our being. Are there any people in this house who are in Jesus? In him. The tension. The tension. Don't separate. Do not separate the promise from the presence. You can't. There are people that come to church and go, God, I want a brand new job. And, and, and they walk into church with great due deference. No disrespect, but they walk into church first time, God, I want a brand new job. And, and then once they get the job and get the income and get everything, all of a sudden, they, they just separate from body and fellowship and church because they got what they wanted. And like the prodigal son they weren't ready to manage it because they separated the presence from the promise. You follow that? God, my last relationship went, and I want you to give me someone new in my life. And once you get that someone new, you don't, you don't fellowship. You, you ignore it. And then all of a sudden, you end up like the prodigal son. And you question, what happened? What happened is that you left. The presence of the Father. About the last point is the tension between your hunger and the Father's love. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he, the prodigal son, began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. This young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. He asked, I'm hungry, and no one fed him. No one fed him. When he finally came to his senses, because hunger will prompt you to come to your senses. Have you ever been so hungry that you saw what you did not see before? 
and you heard what you're not going to hear. I know it sounds counterintuitive, but I praise God for the season where no one gave me anything. Some of you don't understand that. That's too radical for you. But there comes a time where no one will help you. No one will pick you up. No one will lift you up. And then you lift up your head. Where does my help come from? My help cometh from the Lord, the maker. Anybody been there? Anybody hit rock bottom? Have you, it doesn't have to be financially, emotionally, relationally, spiritually. Have you ever hit rock bottom? Sometimes you will never discover the rock until you hit rock bottom. I praise God that I hit rock bottom. I wouldn't be here right now if in a season of my life I didn't hit rock bottom. Oh, this, this guy was so hungry. Because hunger makes you do strange things. He, hunger makes you do strange things. The Bible says he was so hungry that he came to his senses. I'm going to flip this in a positive light. We're about to see a hungry generation rise up. Oh, you missed it. We are about to see a hungry millennials generation Z and the alpha generation will be the hungriest generations in the history of mankind. I promise you, you're about to see generations so hungry, they're going to look up and they're going to say, ah, we're going back to our father's house. We're going back to our father's house. There are things that only God can provide, only things that God can do. I need you to get ready. Your prodigal sons and daughters are coming back home. I got to calm down. No, I don't. He said, I'm dying of hunger. And when he finally came to his senses, he said, I'm dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and I will confess. Repentance works. Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, I will tell him. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Take me on as a hired servant. So he started going home. Come here, dad. And while he was still far away. Far away. He was far away. While he was still a long way off. His father saw him coming. Oh, you missed it. He was broke, busted, and disgusted. He was hungry, hanging around pigs. He hit rock bottom. Whoa. Oh, oh. But when he was far away, the father saw him coming. Because the father will always recognize his child. You're not getting this. He may have... He may have been broken, but he was still his son. He, he may have been lost, but he was still his son. He, he may have slept with prostitutes, but he was still. He may have wasted his inheritance, but he was still his son. He was dirty both internally and externally, but he was still his son. Because a prodigal son is still a son. 
because a broken daughter is still a daughter. Because the father looks at the son and says, there's nothing you could possibly do that will stop you from being my son. Is there anyone here grateful for the love of God? Is there anyone here who has been forgiven? Is there anyone here who has experienced that mercy triumphs over judgment? Is there anyone here who knows that perfect love expels all fear? Is there anyone here who lives out your grace is sufficient for all the forgiven people? Lift up your hands. All the people who have been forgiven. If you've been forgiven, I love this because you're my son. And you can't stop being my son. I see you. Religion says, let the prodigal son run to the father. I'm going to preach like a madman now. But grace says, go ahead, Father, run. That's what Jesus did for us. 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 Somebody lift up your hands and praise God for the mercy of God. Somebody worship God for the forgiveness of God. Lift up your hands. We're done. Oh, I sense the Lord. Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome home. Get ready to see your prodigal sons and daughters are coming back home. Your prodigal sons and daughters are coming back home. Your prodigal sons and daughters are coming back home. Lift up your hands. We're done. We focus on the adjective when we should focus on the noun. The lost son, the prodigal son, he's still a son. In Christ, you... In Christ, who you are will always be greater than how you are. In Christ, lift up your hands. We're done. Who you are will always be greater than where you are. John 10, 29 is a verse every Christian should memorize. My Father who has given them to me, meaning us, is greater than all. And no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Not the devil, not yourself, not your parents. Can you lift up your hands? You may be broken, but you're still a child of God. You may be hurting, but you're still a child of God. You may be going through a relationship breakup, but you're still a child of God. You may be walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but you are still a child of God. You may be going through hell, but you are still a child of God. Stand with me. Those that are not standing, 
He is still your father. The father saw him coming. The father saw him coming from far away. I don't care how far you may be from God today. He knows where you are. You are never so far away that his grace cannot reach you. You are never so far away that his blood cannot redeem you. You are never beyond God's forgiveness. You are never beyond God's love. You are never beyond God's healing. This is our Father. Our Father runs to you. Especially on the days where you can't run to Him. Our Father embraces you. Our Father kisses you. The Apostle Paul writing in Romans 8, 15, For I have received the spirit of adoption, whereby I'm able to call out, Abba, Abba. Father. Abba. I'm going to show you something about so interesting. When he ran and met him, he never said, I told you so. He never said, if you would have listened to me, he never said, who told you to leave my presence? He never said, I heard about those prostitutes. He never said, look at you now. Never brought up the past. That's why you can't be surrounded by people that are always bringing up the past. If they live in the past, you don't want to live with them. James 2.13, mercy triumphs over judgment. Love covers a multitude of sins. 1 Peter 4.9, my grace is all you need. 2 Corinthians 12.9. You would think, as you stand, this is so cool. Look what he did, right? It's over. No. Then he looks at him and says, man, you look, yeah, the way you look, not in my house. Now, now, if you come back home, you're not coming back to a second-hand status. You're coming back to everything. So he found the best role in this setting. It's a Hugo Ball suit. <laughs> Some Birkenstocks, baby. Said, all right, dress him up. Put a ring on him and said, ladies and gentlemen. Then he said, the father said, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, let's party. My son is back home. Watch this. The younger son came back without any money. He came back without a penny. He came back without the original inheritance. The same, he came back and he repented. He confessed. The father not only forgave him, he restored what he had lost. You missed it. In other words, the father is saying this. As long as you're in my presence, the promise is never lost. My presence is your greatest promise. As long as you're in my presence, the future will not die. As long as you're in God's presence, the calling still lives. Romans eleven twenty nine: 29, the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. 
Raise your right hand. Get ready for a new robe, new sandals, and, a, and the best meal of your life. This is something that DoorDash and Uber Eats will never deliver. Is there anyone here ready to get back what was lost in the lost years? You know, we were all lost at one time. How many of us on occasion look back and go, man, I wish I didn't spend those years. That, has anyone ever had that? Be honest. Have you ever had a moment and go, man, I just, I know I'm redeemed. I'm going to heaven. I'm saved and all that. But I wish I wouldn't have spent those years lost. If, if you've ever, if that thought has ever gone through your mind, raise one hand. Joel 2.25 says this. Not on the other side of eternity. It says that on this side of eternity, God will restore your lost years. Oh, that should prompt somebody to shout one amen. I dare you to high-five your neighbor and tell him, I'm getting it all back. I'm in my Father's presence. I'm getting it all back. I said, I'm getting it all back. Everything I lost, even if it was my fault, I'm getting it all. That's Joel 2.25 right there. Jeremiah 30, 17, I will restore the health, your wounds will heal. Psalm 51, 12, I will restore the joy of your salvation. I, I say you're 61, in, instead of your shame that you had, there will be a double portion. 1 Peter 5, and after you have suffered, the God, the God of all grace who has called you into his glory will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Getting it all back, getting it all back, getting it all back. If you got this message, lift up your hands. 215. Stay right there for a second. Put a picture of my granddaddy up there, please. That's, that handsome young man right there is my granddaddy. His descendants came from Spain, the northern part of Spain, migrated to an island in the Caribbean called Puerto Rico. In the northern part of Puerto Rico is where he comes from, a place called Isabella. And my grandfather was one of the, one of the first uh, Pentecostal preachers in Puerto Rico, called to ministry. He, he established something called the Good Samaritan Home, where he would take care of prodigals, homeless people. So one of the first Christian homeless ministries, rescue missions now we call them, he established in Puerto Rico. So he did that. Back in the 1950s, he pivoted. He left Puerto Rico with his family, 12 kids, and they moved over to the East Coast, New Jersey. From there, he ended up living in Pennsylvania. But unfortunately, his children, some of them became prodigals. They all got back. They were waiting. They were waiting. They were all coming back to the Lord. One by one, the most rebellious one who entered into a brilliant young man, entered into a life of nefarious activity. Again, brilliant. We knew he was cognitively to be brilliant. He was tested. The guy was like a super intellectually inclined. Brilliant. And we also know by the byproduct of his children who are absolute geniuses. And I mean like certified geniuses. But he, the drug addiction issue and ended up getting involved in so many things. I remember the prodigal son. They had no idea where he was at for six years if he was alive or dead. My grandmother, I would hear her pray. She had all her grandkids memorized, all her kids memorized. She would pray for them every single night. He, she would pray, I want my son. I want to see my son. I want my prodigal son to come back home. For six years minimum, there's another interpretation that we have got for our family. It may be six to ten years we're going to work with the narrative I got literally text over to me verbatim. So 
it, six years minimum, they haven't seen your son at all. No idea if he was alive or dead. And they're living in Pennsylvania. The last time they saw their son, he was in New Jersey. My grandfather, already late in age, close to 80 years of age, goes to a mini-mart in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. There's a guy like this on the floor with his head down. And my grandfather did what he did in Puerto Rico. Same line, same prophetic utterance. He looked at him and said, good man. Good man. My grandfather believed that you speak the blessing and not the curse. That's where I get it from. Say, good man. Good man. I want to help you. Let me get you out of there. How can I help you? The good man that was there on the floor turned his head and said, Daddy. The moment my grandfather heard his voice, he said, that's my son. He said, my son, we haven't seen you. We didn't know you were alive. He kissed him and they both started crying. He was filthy. In full disclosure, I mean filthy to the worst in all regards. And he picked him up took him to the home to see mom. Mom. And my grandmother and my grandfather, they got help from our other family members to bathe him. They shaved him. He was already infected with a disease that would take his life a few weeks later. A few weeks later, they put him. How do I know this story? Because they called me up. And I, I was a young buck. This was many years ago. They brought me in. And they said, we just want you to pray with him. So I looked at him and I said, are you ready to do this? He went, yeah. I went, just come with me. And you're doing it from your heart? Yeah. He goes, I'm home. I go, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart. He received the fullness of Christ. He died just some time thereafter. He got back home. He got back home. They asked him before he died. Stop. How in the world did you get from Newark, New Jersey to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania? He goes, that's, again, brilliant guy. He goes, that's the part I can't explain. He goes, what do you mean you can't explain it? A lady all dressed in white. Found me in the streets of Newark. Looked at me and said, what do you want? And he said, I want to go home. She went, I'll take you home. Where are your parents? He went, in Pennsylvania. She put him in a car. He thinks it was a taxi, but he doesn't know because he never paid a taxi fee. She dropped him off in front of that mini-mart, the same mini-mart that his father would find him that very, that same day. How many believe our God is a real God? How many believe there are still angels on the planet doing things for the advancement of the kingdom? Why am I telling you all this? Because prodigal sons and daughters do come back home. I love this guy, the older brother. Good guy. Had a religious spirit. The moment he saw him back home, he complained. He said, Dad, what are you doing? Are you kidding me? What are you doing? I've been here 
I never left you. You give them the Hugo Boss, the Burks. I'm still driving the Prius. Like, what are you doing? You can be in church and be a prodigal. You can be in the Father's presence, but if you're not cognizant of the fact that it's the Father's presence that defines you, you might as well be a prodigal. Told them, no, you don't get it. You, you, you've never lost anything. You have me. He was lost, but now he's found. Church, we need to make room for those that are coming back. We are about to see a generation of prodigal sons and daughters come back home. If you truly believe that, somebody say amen, amen, amen. 122. Oh. If you got this message, raise your hand. I want to pray over you real quick. Heavenly Father, right now, seal this word in every heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. Lord, you told me today prodigal sons and daughters would come back home. You told me to remind everyone that even if they are broken, if they're hurting, a lost and broken daughter is still a daughter. A lost and broken son is still a son. And there's nothing they can possibly do to take away that title, son, child of God. So, Lord, in Jesus' name, today, finish the work you have started, Philippians 1.6. I pray that every prodigal, not just physically away, but even spiritually away, mentally, emotionally, relationally away, those that are far away from the presence of the Father, from the fullness of the finished work of Christ, let this be the day they come back home, both in this auditorium in Los Angeles and those online, in the name of Jesus. If you truly believe that every single prodigal will come back home, give God the final shout of praise you've given him. <laughs>